Connor is a vocalist. He's a vocal coach. He is now a vocal student again. He's back studying jazz in college. Um, myself and Connor is actually from Ireland and he's living abroad. But he, myself and Connor met at the Vocology and Practice seminar during the summer virtually to maybe a like a live chat, um, which was which was fun. And then he launched a podcast called Let's Talk Singing, which is really really cool. You should check it out. Um, so Connor, tell us a little bit about your experience of college. Is it as stressful as mine was today? <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I think your stress today was quite, you know, quite heavy though. You know, you're having the stress <laughs> to get back and in the car and stuff, at least here in Vienna, I just have to take the underground and I'm here in, you know, back to my apartment, but wow. college itself though, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty stressful. Also we're in the lockdown at the moment and, okay. uh, yeah, so with this whole COVID thing, it feels as though we, I mean, this week we're back into normal classes, like semi-normal, um, and it kind of feels like we just started again. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're there since October, the start of October, but actually it feels like now, this week, when I met the guys today, it kind of was like, have we been to college for the last two months? Yeah, it's, you know? so it's surreal. Is this your first year back doing your course? Yeah. yeah so I studied I studied two years in Ireland and then this is this is my first year back doing my 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 bachelor's yeah yeah so tell us about that what did you go to study in Ireland and then how did you end up in Vienna tell us about that journey okay so uh yeah so I started in Ireland I went to New Park Centre of Music in uh Dean's Grange in uh Dunleary and places like that in Dublin which was great and it was a jazz course. And so I I had been playing with bands and I'd been playing with different types of music and different genres and stuff like that. But I always came back to wanting to sing jazz and wanting to play jazz and wanting to listen to jazz. And, uh, and so I went to study it. And uh, I was there for two years. And then in my second year, I fell in love with a German girl. And she, yeah, well, it was romantic and it was beautiful, but we also had a long distance for a year and the long distance. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty difficult. So I decided after my second year that, um, I, I had funny enough when myself and Katia talk about it, I can't remember really asking her if it was okay. I just decided (laughs) I was like, okay, then my next step is, (laughs) yeah, exactly. My next step was like, okay, uproot go to Germany and uh, live with Katia. And so I did. And I've been there for the last four years. And then last year and the year previous, I've been trying to get, I've been auditioning for colleges in Germany and uh, wanting to get back into studying because I kind of felt like I missed, I didn't finish my bachelor's. And so I decided then to apply for this college here in Vienna. Um, And the singing teacher was great. And the you know, reviews from past students, alumni were fantastic. And the, the, the place itself is great. It's in like the center of Vienna. I'm very lucky. Mm. And, uh, and so I got in and then that's it. Now I've moved to Vienna and that's just my life now. I'm back into college for the next four years. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're both kind of back in a similar place where we're, we're, we're not newly out of school, you know, and uh, it's a, it's a big uproot of your life to actually go back and invest into your education again. Absolutely. Where, 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 what college are you going to, Rebecca? Do you know the school, school of music in Cork? Ah, yeah, nice. Yeah, Excellent. it's a really, really cool college. Doing the, the contemporary music, the pop degree? Yeah, I'm doing the pop degree. So Sweet. 
it's amazing like you're learning from some of the best musicians in the country and like god even yeah. like some of the people in my year like they're just so talented you know i feel like mm -hmm. i don't know if we were that talented when we were, when we were 18 <laughs> like you know these guys can just play like play rings around us yeah for sure that's actually that was one thing that happened when i came here as well i mean i'm 29 turning 13 you know in april and i came on the first week i went to my to a gig and there was a jam session on um, and there was this girl that got up and played piano and she was just out of this world, like fantastic jazz pianist. Um, and then found out later that she was 19 years old. I was like, wow. that's not fair. <laughs> I was like, you can't be, come on, give us a chance, please. You yeah. know? <laughs> it's why do you think that is? Uh, do you, do you think it's different now? Do you think that like, you know, um, young adults I suppose I, I, I have a habit of saying kids mm. because we used to have um myself and my partner I used to have um two students lodging in our house and we used to joke and say that they were our kids okay you're right <laughs> so every time I'm talking about people that age I say kids but anyway okay <laughs> yeah but do you but think there's a difference like or I think there's a massive difference I think even in the past couple of years I mean um like from my personal point of view, like the amount of stuff that I could find out and watch and learn and practice from YouTube videos, from free eBooks, from um, online masterclasses, things like that, that are just completely, they're just there to be used and there to be taken and there to be um, ingested. And I think that younger people like 19, 18 year old, like also a friend of mine, Katie, guitarist, I mean, he, again, he's 19 and he's just you know, you wonder how, how did you obviously practice, obviously mm -hmm. like real proper practice, but also I think the opportunities for them to, 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 uh, to learn kind of at, at very close to when they're alone, like they can just open up their laptop and I'm saying that like, I don't do that. I do that. Yeah. But I guess yeah. what you're saying is that we maybe didn't have that when we were that age, when I remember, yeah, 18, 19, even though YouTube was there and stuff, but um, I don't think the, yeah, the usage of it was as kind of great as it is now. Yeah, there's definitely more opportunity to learn from the greats because we have access to anything at our hands now, you know? Yeah, yeah. Really and now with the whole function of, of slowing down a YouTube video. Oh my God, it's I mean, like that's the best like, thing ever. <laughs> it's incredible. I, I learned, you know, the Chris Stapleton, uh, the, the, the riff that he does. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Tennessee whiskey. Yeah. And I, I remember I was like, how do I learn this? It's so detailed. It's so fast. And then I was like, oh, hold on a second. You can slow it down. Yeah. I was like, great. Yeah. For me, actually, I, I actually am doing that song for my, my exam this semester. And I was the same. Wow. Like, I actually I started learning it during the summer. I was doing a mix between I was kind of doing like a montage of that one and um, I, um, is it I'd rather go blind that one that you know the way they're kind of similar mm, Etta James yeah yeah the Etta James one um, but I was like not getting the riff at all but you know like just even practicing my sight reading over the last year or so like and when I downloaded the music and I could see the, the dots on the page as well that that really helped me kind of visualize the, the riff mm. Um, mm. And then I popped on the YouTube video and slowed it down, got my straw out <laughs> and repeated it over and over again so I could get the kind of flow, you know. Sure. Do yeah. you do you read music? I can read music, but I couldn't sit down uh, like and just read straight away. Like I, I could take away something, take a week and learn it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I do you, just... Did you ever... Yeah. Did you ever do the thing of like when you, when when you maybe didn't have the notes and then you had a, a text or so like that and 
and you were learning the melody and you, you know, you'd put little lines of when it went up and when it went down and yes. things like that. Yes. And yes. how I, I just think that's so important to also, you know, tell students and tell you know, people that are learning to sing that, you know, that's something that you can do. It's okay. You know, don't pressurize yourself too, too much on trying to learn how to read music and sight read and things like that. That comes with time, yeah. but you can also use these little tricks, you know? Absolutely. Even like clapping out the rhythm or like drawing the rhythm on the page, like, you know, drawing like literally like circles on the page for each note in the rhythm yeah. and things like that can make it visual or kinesthetic. And I think that can really help because I feel like nowadays it seems to be a really popular thing to be like riff goddesses, but like, I'm not a riffer like I, I'm learning how to do it now like because I want to learn how to do it but I'm not mm. I, I never did it before but I don't know people seem to be really into it yeah it seems like it's the big thing at the moment yeah riffing and doing all of those melismas and and really interesting offsets and all that kind of stuff uh, I think it's great though I think it's always really interesting because again there's so many good riffers so many good singers out there that riff fantastically you know mm -hmm. um really fantastic and um and it's fun I guess right how do you find it how are you finding learning how to riff is it fun for you or is it is it tearing out your hair no well a bit of both <laughs> yeah cool, I guess because like I suppose because I've never really delved into that area, I've ne I just haven't really like trained my voice to like move that quickly. Mm. You know? So it's taken a little bit of agility training to like get it, but I'm getting there, and it kind of feels like an achievement mm. to be able to do it. And like what I'm kind of learning is as well, it's it's just the process of actually learning the riff and and breaking down the riff. Um, just to quote Natalie Wise, yeah. if anyone hasn't checked out her videos on YouTube, breaking down the riffs, she breaks down riffs for you in a very um easy way to learn them and it's really really good um it's it's just it's good for your actual vocal agility so even if you never want even if you don't want to be ariana grande and be riffing all over the place in your songs learning to do that and training your voice to do that is still useful for your singing absolutely yeah it's also it's just like you know learning um learning your scales you know learning how to go in between um tones you know like going up in a major coming down in a minor whatever it is all of that stuff it's just you know making a muscle um a muscle memory and just learning these ways in which you can change from tone to tone and keep the intonation and the thing is with the riffs what is really interesting is that they just as you said like go really fast mm -hmm. and they're usually very intricate and usually don't just use they're not just what I found about riffs is that it's not just about the notes, but actually how they they um, they push the notes out, like using like um, like there's a little thing of like using you know glottal stops in the middle of a riff or 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 changing up your your um, the mechanics of your voice in the middle of a riff just to give mm -hmm. it that little push. So it's not just always about the notes, but actually about the feeling. I guess that's really it. That I think that's why the riffers the singers that are riffers are so good it's because it sounds like it's just a feeling yeah. it sounds like it's just like whoa oh my god that's the most natural thing to come out of that person's mouth yeah. you know and it's trying to find that I guess is really important yeah it's it's, it's really really interesting and it's, it's really fun to do it so like anyway like I, when I was younger I was in a kind of a I suppose alt rock band and I just wasn't riffing in mm. that band you know but I suppose now that I'm delving more into vocal technique and you know the vocal coaching and all that I'm I kind of wanting to know how to do these things even if I yeah. never necessarily do it in my own songs or my own music 
do you know? Yeah. Um, one of my um, voice teachers last year, Leisha O'Callaghan from C- um, CSM, said to me that one tip for singing riffs is to really clean your tone up, to, re- to like mm. get rid of as much air as possible. Do you know, don't, mm. don't sing it with a breathy voice, which I thought was interesting because, yeah, I, I would say I kind of have more of a husky voice sometimes. So it's like trying to get that cleaner tone, you know. Right, yeah. I guess that helps with the agility of it, right? It doesn't allow it, it doesn't allow for too many mistakes or it doesn't allow for too much for it to fall apart. Because when exactly. it's on a breathy, there's you know, there's Less a chance control. for it to exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think you're right. I think with like being being vocal coaches and singing teachers is that like anyone can walk in the door or or at this time anyone can contact you online and become a, a student online. And you kind of have to be prepared to to at least be able to give helpful tips towards most things. And that's also what I found in the last two years is that I was working with students and I was kind of going, oh, I really need to research that, you know, like the riffs or like rasp or 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 whatever it is, not that I need to be able to do it. And some teachers can and demo it fantastically. But mm-hmm. having this thing of just um yeah, helpful tips, I guess, and healthy tips for, for singers. Yeah, to just to be able to guide a singer in the direction in a safe way. I, 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 tell me a little bit about your the type type of vocal training you're, you're getting in college, or is it more stylistic-based, or did it go into much vocal technique? I, I'm interested to kind of to hear that side of things about the jazz course you're doing. Yeah, it's actually, I think it's pretty interesting because I was not expecting it to be so technical uh, or technique based Um, not that it's overly technical but more so I just didn't I I think um, I wasn't expecting my teacher or my my lecturer uh, Ines Reiger her name is and she's quite big and quite a well-known jazz singer here in in Austria and also in Germany and I guess probably around Europe too but she she created her own um, her own type of technique. So she's learned CVT, she's learned um, still, she's learned all of that stuff and she's she's taken all of that and put it into her own and it's called um, NVT, natural voice technique. Oh, wow, cool. And so instead of using, let's say, twang, like they would in CVT, they, she uses baby. And she just like, yeah, on, on Wednesday, I was going up in my scale and she was pushing me right up right up past my B flat and past my B and stuff like that. And we were getting to the, to the D and the E flat mm-hmm. and she just kind of shouted at me, not in an aggressive way, but just yeah. kind of shouted at me. It was like, um, uh, three years old, three years old. And I instantly made that thing here of three yeah. years old and made it into a twang. And I got up right to that F and she kind of stopped and went, cool. She's like, nailed it. Yeah. She <laughs> She's was like, like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She sat back and she's like, ah, my technique works, you know, and that's great. yeah, but it's nice because there's a mix of, of, of really, um, like the week previous or the two weeks previous, we, we just did a whole class on the meaning of a song, um, and the, the reason why I was singing it and the, the story behind it and what perspective am I coming at? And yeah. is it from my perspective or am I singing it from another person's or who am I singing it to and all that stuff. So it's a really good mix of of good technical stuff and also i think what's great about because jazz singing sounds so free um and when people think of jazz singing they don't think necessarily of technique um you know people think of maybe like 
a lot of people maybe put like Frank Sinatra right there when they think jazz singer, they think Frank Sinatra. And he just had really good tone. And that's what people heard. And that's what really resonated with people. But when you look really closely at it, he, he used such beautiful tone and knew exactly where his voice was going to go all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, so his technique was really very ingrained in his voice and it made it, made it yeah, so relatable or um, approachable, his voice. But also then his phrasing as a jazz singer was something that musicians used to find really interesting. And that's why he always got the gig. Because yeah. he had this phrasing that musicians were like, whoa, okay, I'm going to follow this guy. And yeah. Exactly, unpredictable, unexpected. It's, it's really great. But, but uh, yeah, like I was saying, I think, I, I think people tend to think that jazz singing isn't necessarily technique-based. It's more free. But, and that's what, that was what was nice when I got in with Enos, is that because I've been on the journey of technique for the last two years and learning and, and wanting to know more, and then I got in with Enos and she was like, yeah, cool. I know all about that. Let's talk. You yeah, know, so you were like just ready to learn. And and the fact that you're doing a bit of teaching yourself, you're probably learning a lot from the way she teaches as well. Do you know what's really hugely? It's really yeah. important for us as well to, to get lessons and learn from other coaches. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I, I'm, I'm also um, uh I, I know a lot of people and myself included have, have neglected that um, where we haven't gone to lessons and we've just gigged because yeah. gigging was money and gigging was, was a passion and gigging was, was with your friends and stuff. And you ended up not going to lessons because you mm-hmm. were just gigging. Um, and I think, but I, as you said, I think it's so important to, to have lessons so that you can kind of, um, you can learn from them how how to get a message across that you might not have thought about and would help you in another another circumstance with your student then that you're kind of going, okay, actually, yeah, this might work for this person now and something I wouldn't have thought about other than having a, a lesson. It's 100%. Like, we, we, no one knows it all, you know, and no matter how many years you've been doing it or how little years you've been doing it or, you know, where you're at on your journey, there's always yeah. something else to learn. Yeah. And we just have to be open to that. And mm. like even even myself in college, like last year I had Leisha. This year I have a girl called Lorna, Lorna Moore. And they're both completely different styles of teaching. But I'm learning so much from both of them. Do you know, mm. you know, it's it's like, you know, Leisha was very kind of gentle and very focused much around um, kind of connection to the song lyrics and dynamic mm. and a bit of technique thrown in there as well. And Lorna is very much technique. Um, obviously all the other things as well but she like really delves into the technique and stuff and it's really mm. interesting to see how the different approaches can work and it's like yeah I, I like the way she did that or I like the way she did that and how can I um, incorporate that into the way I teach yeah it also then just it can also inspire you to 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 not try to be everything for your students knowing that they're you know that as I can't remember who said it. I have a feeling it was said at the VIP conference that we were at. I have a feeling someone said it, that they're like, they're trying to teach themselves out of a job. You know, they're trying to, you know, work with someone and then, you know, pass them on to someone or at least know that if they can't give them that thing, that there's another person down the road or someone that they know that will be able to give them that thing and help them. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it's really important that we, uh, as teachers and also students, 
um, teachers know that we can share and students know that we don't have to always stick with one person and, and one te technique is not the, the you know, the be, be, uh, be all be end all. end all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I actually, it's, it, that's an interesting thing to think about is like, I was the same as you. I like gigged for like eight, nine years in a band, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, when I left school, there was no such thing as like popular music teachers. So I kind of like I did some classical training when I was much younger and then I didn't train when I was when I was gigging. I was just gigging. And then yeah. I I ended up going to BIM to do the songwriting diploma and mm -hmm. discovered the whole world that 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 has developed of like, you know, popular music teachers and all the, the vocal coaches that existed now and everything. And I just I couldn't believe it, but I didn't know where to start. I didn't know where to go so what would you say to like somebody who maybe is in a similar situation who's like just gigging and maybe they're writing music and, and gigging and or releasing music or whatever and they're wondering they're on the edge of should I get lessons should I not get lessons will it ruin my authenticity you know what would you say about that mm. that's such a it's a loaded question right because it's mm -hmm. so sensitive because people um when people are on, the, on on that sort of idea of, of, you know, is it going to ruin my authenticity or is it going to make me too technical? Is it going to get rid of my natural sound or whatever it is? And I think that that's a completely fair, absolutely fair argument to make. If you are happy and you are not coming off stage at the end of your nights uh, with a hoarse voice, and if you're coming and you're doing loads of gigs, 150 gigs in the year, or you're just doing a gig every once in a while, but you're coming off the stage with the healthy, you feel good, you were able to hit the note that you wanted to hit, um, you were able to hit the, you were able to to work on the rhythm, or you 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 came in at the right time and things like that. Great, fantastic, stay with it. I would say, you know, don't pressure yourself to go and get lessons. Um, but then if you are the type of person that is gigging and you sometimes in the middle of your set feel like you don't have that energy, you don't have that 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 push to get that high note in in Guns N' Roses or in or, or in Aretha Franklin or, or Whitney Houston or whatever it is, um, and you feel like you you can't get that or if it's hurting, then you need to think that you know, if if <laughs> you need to think that you need to get that to a healthy place. And the way to do that is to go and find your local singing teacher. I would say go and find your local singing teacher in your city or in your town um, and check it out and see what you feel and see if you like lessons and see if you like being a student. Because some people don't like being a student. Mm -hmm. You know, there's guys in their 30s, there's women in their in their whatever, 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever, any age. And some people just don't like to be told what to do. Yeah. Um, and singing is so sensitive and so personal that it's very important that you have a, the, the correct teacher. Um, but I would say, first of all, go to your local teacher, go to your local music school, check it out, see if you like that whole dynamic of teacher-student thing. And then I would say to cast your, you know, your net a bit wider and maybe, let's say if you're in... I would say even where I'm from, from Limerick, there's fantastic singing teachers there. But I know that if people want to sing um, uh, like with a top class opera mezzo or a soprano teacher, they need to go to Dublin because mm -hmm. that's where the, they that's where they are. You know, it's like it's like in Germany, you know, you needed to go to Berlin. I was in Magdeburg um, 
and you needed to go to Berlin if you wanted to work mm-hmm. with the Judy Nymax and you needed to come to, to Vienna if you wanted to work with the Enos Reigers. So they're definitely fantastic teachers out there. And I would say if, yeah, again, back to my point, if you're feeling that you're not hitting it as, as cleanly or as healthily or safely um, as you as you maybe should be, then I would say don't be afraid. Go sit with someone, get a consultation and talk about um, how your voice acts on a normal night and see yeah. how you feel. Yeah. What, yeah, what would you say? Kind of way to think about it. So there's like different reasons why somebody would go to a coach for lessons. You know, there's that side of it where uh, where like you might be gigging and maybe you're not you're not you're not getting the um, the stamina from the vo- your voice that you need. And you're like, you know, why do I keep losing my voice after a weekend of gigs or whatever, you know, and that at that point, then, yeah, do go to a coach and see if they can kind of give you some kind of routine to help strengthen your voice. so That doesn't happen anymore. But then there's also the kind of artistry side of it and mm. the kind of, you know, the development of your vocal ability. And, you know, for years, I definitely would have wondered myself, well, do I need to go to lessons? Do I not? But 100 percent things I can do now that I wasn't able to do a few years ago you know so I would say like you know it's up to you as a student to decide what you want to take from the lessons or what what you want to kind of throw away you can take all the stuff that helps with your vocal health that's going to help any absolutely anybody where when it comes to like stylistics and that kind of thing you can you can pick and choose like you're you're a creative person like you're going to be able to make those decisions for yourself and you know two if you go to two different coaches with one song they're going to give you a slightly different versions of it maybe even completely different versions of it so there's not necessarily Probably, one yeah. way to <laughs> sing something do you know mm. so it's kind of like i would say absolutely everybody could learn something from a coach providing you're that person who's willing to learn and wanting to learn absolutely yeah absolutely and i think you're you're totally right i think like getting lessons and stuff is so it's so exciting because you really not at the start, but, you know, once you get past that little hurdle of, of, of learning those scales or singing the weird sounds with the twang and stuff like that and making a fool of yourself in front of someone, once you get past that hurdle, I feel anyway, with a lot of students, they really, their eyes get wide and they kind of go, I can't believe I was able, I wasn't able to do that and I'm able to do that now. You know, and that's where the magic is. That where that's yeah. where the cool thing is, and that's also, I think, what you were saying as well is that finding that you're able to do these things is just exciting, anyway. Yeah, for I think both the singer who's getting the lesson and the coach who's te- who's coaching. Yeah, it's like when the yeah, students' sure. eyes light up when they've when they've gotten a note that they didn't think they're going to get. They're like, "But I've been so strange trying to get that. Like, why does it feel yeah. so no- natural now and free? You know, it's it's really so satisfying." Um. Mm. So. Tell us a little bit about, so you were gigging with your band for a long time and then you found yourself on the stage of The Voice of Ireland. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh yeah, that little thing. Yeah, that little thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that little thing. Yeah, that was, that was, um, uh, that was a trip, yeah. Um, the, the Voice of Ireland thing came about because I, my, my best friend, one of my best friends, Alan Keary, who lives in Manchester now, his dad is Dave Keary who lives in Limerick and owned his own or ran his own studio and stuff like that. And he's a fantastic guitarist and, and producer. And uh, I'd been gigging and I had been doing the band stuff with leading armies um, 
and we had done some fantastic gigs and we were making music and there was so creative juices flowing um six guys that used to sing harmonies and it was just fantastic um and then on the other side of that like when i wasn't at practice with them or when i wasn't gigging with them the other nights of the week i was gigging on my own um and i was like an entertainer in in restaurants in um and singing jazz singing swing um and so you know the story when you're growing up and your family sees that you're good at something they're all going you know come on you need to be the you know you need to be really famous come on go yeah. because in a couple of years you need to put me in a really good nursing home and all this kind of stuff <laughs> you know all yeah whatever but then yeah. there was this guy the Dave Keery Dave Keery then who I really trusted his opinion um and he kind of just emailed me or rang me I'm not sure out of the blue and he was kind of going look uh, just so you know, there's a new thing coming to Ireland. It's the first series. It sounds really cool. It's called The Voice of Ireland. Um, at that point, I didn't know it was a franchise or I didn't know that it had been in, in the Netherlands and things like that. Um, and so I kind of went, okay, cool. He was like, you know, national coverage could be great for you. Um, you never know what happens. Mm -hmm. And it's the first series. So I would say, go and have a look, you know, and yeah. I said, okay, great. So I went up and uh, had my preliminary audition and I sang Georgia and the the musical director David Hayes. Do you know David Hayes? He's a guy the name in is Dublin. Familiar, but I don't think he'd I've probably personally. Yeah, I'd say he's also down in uh, CSM as well at some point and yeah. uh, down in Cork. Um, but he's a really cool dude, and I did the audition for him, and he really loved it. And um, and so I got a call back then to go to the blind auditions. Um, which was very cool and it was all very exciting. You know, you can imagine, yeah. you know, it's like TV and stuff like that. So it's all really, my God, this is the best thing that's ever happened. And and it's, you know, it's so exciting and who knows what could happen and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I went up and I did the audition. It was great and got the four chairs to turn around. Uh, and that Hold was also now. something that, yeah. Don't brush over that. You got the four chairs to turn What's around that? for you. <laughs> That's amazing. I did, like. I did, I did, I did. And you were like the first I know, person they, they... To, do, to make everyone yeah. turn, right? Yeah, the first yeah. person in the series. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had to pay them all off, though. To be honest, they cost a huge amount, all well, of them. You don't have to tell us that. <laughs> tell, us, tell us about what it was like being on the stage with their backs facing you. I can't remember that. I have to no. tell you, I really can't. I was trying to, because I knew that when I was coming to talk to you, I knew that we were going to speak about yeah, this and yeah. I really tried to, to vision, to, to envision it and try to remember it and stuff. But it was all like the day was so long. Like we were there at nine o'clock in the morning. We, myself and my, a couple of my friends were there. We were hanging out in the, 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 the foyer of the Helix. It was all very, strange but cool and all this kind of stuff and then when I went on stage I remember being in the wings and I remember um whoever I can't remember the stage manager I guess told me to to go on um and because I had been gigging with bands and because I had been gigging with the trio for so long I really can only remember looking over to David Hayes and looking over at the drummer when I came on stage because I was very uh yeah kind of overwhelmed I guess and um and I guess when then when I looked out to the audience and there was the whole helix filled with people. Um, and it's a very strange feeling because no one knows you, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yet the crowd are so supportive yeah. and so 
you know, there was a big cheer and there was, um, and when the chairs started to turn around, it's like, again, this big, massive kind of rumble of cheers. And it's like, okay, what, what's going on? And then the second one, and then the third one, the fourth one, it's just like, then, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, okay, that's for me. Okay, fantastic. Cool, cool. Keep your, keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. Um, and so it was very kind of, uh, yeah, very weird and stuff, but it was also, um, yeah, it was, it was very strange to see Sharon Core turn around because I love the chorus and Sharon was always my favorite. And I actually, again, I really don't know why I didn't actually go with Sharon because she was the first to turn around. Mm -hmm. And also she had something so lovely to say. She was so sweet. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was it was it was a strange experience. Yeah, because then Keen Egan again, like Keen Egan again, I've been watching, you know, growing up watching Westlife and stuff like that, and it's a very strange experience to see his yeah. head turn around as well. It's surreal yeah. when you see someone that you only know from like watching on TV or the internet, and you meet them in person. It's kind of like yeah. it just feels surreal. It's like you kind of can't gather yourself for a minute almost. I suppose that's what yeah. they call starstruck kind of, isn't it? I guess, yeah. in, a, in a way. I guess so. Absolutely. And it is that real feeling of being struck because you kind of don't know what to do and you're kind of, you're, you're like, inhibited. You. You're a bit like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's funny because that whole, when, when the, when we then went off and the next, the next section of it was the battle stages. And for that whole section, we were there for a week um and I stayed with a friend of mine I stayed with a friend of mine in Dublin and I used to go in there every day and we used to do a practice and practice with the band and get on stage and you know reach your line or reach your points um or your marks and do kind of interviews and stuff like that and then Brezzy and Kean and 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 Sharon and Brian all kind of turn into very normal people they're just walking around, you know, which was really nice because they were all, they were all really sweet as well. They were all really nice people. I guess because they are normal people in a way, like they just are normal people with a job in the spotlight, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. And so what happened after that then? Like, did you, did you manage to kind of use that to kind of push yourself on or what, what did you learn from it or what did you take from it or how did it help mm. you or how did it not help you? Good question. Yeah. Um, I think the what was great about doing it was the um coming back to Limerick afterwards and the amount of support and the amount of people that really uh, got behind you um or got behind me, that it was very, very nice and very comforting and very lovely. Um and also then a lot of places that um I, I, I guess I was just, I was then the opportunities of gigs, opportunities of working with people, opportunities of going places um, began to, to kind of, to come about, you know, more so than they would have before, for sure. Um, yeah, to have and that on your CV must have really caught people's attention. Like Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a weird thing because I know it's, it's something I guess a lot of people say when they don't get further on in, in, in uh, competitions, but it's kind of, I felt very lucky in a sense that I didn't go too far on because I kind of got really a really good sense of the world of TV and the world of kind of that whole kind of music business, TV business, reality show business. Um, and actually, yeah, I'm really interested to ask you about your experience as well. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't really, there's not really much to tell. I was only, I think I was around 16 or 17. And oh, wow, so young. I was really okay. young. Like, I was super young. I was still in school. And I just, I think I, where did I go? I don't even remember where, what county I went, to be honest. I think it might have been Belfast. Mm. But I, I don't even remember. But it was for um, the X Factor, actually, it was for <laughs> the X Factor. And um, I remember I went in and I think it was my, it, it might have been like my old state school teacher who kind of encouraged me to go to it. I think she even picked the song. It was like, um, mm. oh, Summer Over the Rainbow. That's what That's it was. Beautiful. And I remember like, it, again, it was a lot of waiting around and all of that. And I just, I didn't get very far. Like I just went into one room. I think there was maybe one or two producers that were in the room. And they're like, okay, sing your song. And I, I sung my song and I just remember being so nervous that I ended up like standing like with my hands like this. And I was like, oh, like singing my song, just with my, my <laughs> arms, like trying, trying to like, you know, put a performance in, but I was like frozen stiff, you know, I was so scared. Um, But yeah, like, I think I'm really glad that it didn't go further because I feel I wasn't ready, first of all. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I didn't know who I was. I think one thing that I learned from it is if I was advising anyone who was maybe come to me to ask if they should go forward for something like that is I don't think you should go forward for something like that until you know who you are as a person I don't think that comes to, to later on yeah. you know I think until you kind of know like until you're able to kind of make a decision for yourself and make a decision on where you want to go musically yeah. what you want to do with yourself like until you kind of understand the, the, the essence of who you are mm. I know that's a bit spiritual but I really do believe that unless you have that um understanding of what your own essence is you're just going to end up being shoved and pushed in a direction that maybe you do not want to go 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 down and it could completely ruin it for you yeah I completely that's, agree that's my yeah. only learning my only point to I, I would pass on from that experience yeah yeah and the thing is there there are many young people that that do know who they are you know what I mean there are a huge I I do believe that there are a huge amount of young people that really do have a good essence or a good sense of themselves and do very well on those shows and 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 are able to give something to it and and have a um have a life and an energy about them that is so intoxicating for people to watch and for the producers and stuff like that but as you said you really have to be that type of person and and a lot of people at that age don't um and I know you were 16 I was I guess I was 21 I mm -hmm. guess and I really I had no idea who I was yeah. zero you know um I was flying through life kind of trying to music 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 sing mm -hmm. sing 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 but when I got up there, I really realized that that, that, that there was a, there was, um, as you said, you, I kind of, I just didn't, yeah, I didn't know, I think, and it, and it was very important to know who you were up there because l uh, with the second uh, battle stage is that they hand you a song and they tell you kind of not what to say, but they, they really, yeah, they try and mold you into what they think mm -hmm. you and your image can be translated to people. Mm -hmm. How it would you know, sell, like how what would sell well. How it would sell, how exactly. Kind of. Yeah. And you know what? Like, of course they package you. Mm -hmm. It's TV. Yeah, it's, you it's know? a business as well. It's a know? business for sure. Yeah. 
But, I wonder uh, if mm. I'd say like you probably came from a similar background to me with like did you like come come from like musical theatre and like school shows and things like that. So yeah, I'm wondering is you know the way you said that you you feel that like lots of young people would kind of have a good sense of who they are. I wonder if maybe being in like a stage school environment where it's very it's a lot of um you're, it's very um God, there's a lot of um how do I say it like rules or guidelines or kind of coaching mm. uh, how you should present yourself in front of people and that kind of thing and you're kind of you're you're playing character roles you're not you're not mm. yourself so maybe like I wonder if there's a difference between a young person who comes from that background and a young person who's just writing songs at home in their bedroom yeah I absolutely I love where your head is I absolutely agree I think there's a massive mm. difference and I think you can see that instantly I think the, the, the joy I'm sure that you had and I know that I had from growing up of doing musical theatre and being in shows and theatre pieces and, as you said, playing character roles and all that kind of stuff was so fantastic. But at the end of the day, you really were playing a character role and then you were yourself in the groups and the rehearsals and outside and stuff like that. But absolutely the difference between a young person that grew up maybe playing music in their house or or playing guitar in their room quietly to themselves not wanting to wake up their parents having to to find their essence through mm-hmm. through listening to 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 original music and and things like that there really is i think a um god i don't want to say because i i, I know i'm a i'm a victim to that and also i have a lot of friends that grew up in the musical theater um, place and um but i think that there is a difference between the the people that grow up um that might have not have had to put on a, a mask or put on a hat to be to get a certain role. People that just had to kind of go through the mud a small bit um, might have a better understanding of themselves um, when they get into that kind of the spotlight then is on you as a person, as an original. When it's really on you, um, I think they probably have a better chance. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about really. And um which brings me on to my next question. Do you mm. write yourself? Do you write songs? And I'm a terrible songwriter. <laughs> I'm such a bad songwriter. I liked, I, the thing is like, uh, you know, my, my fiance Katia, she loves them. And there's a huge amount of people like my friend, Anna Marie really has, has my song as her alarm uh, in the morning. And my song that's on Spotify, and, oh, I didn't and which is had a song on Spotify. What's it called? Yeah, so on Spotify, I have a couple of songs. Um, cool. Under your I name? Have, under Conor Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And you can check. You know, you can check them out. And people watching, I just realized that we're live, right? We are. We are live. I haven't been looking at any people. I'm not sure if anyone has been saying hello or anyone. That, There's about you know. ten people watching live. Nice. Um, yeah. So thanks well, so hello. much to everyone for tuning in. Yeah. Oh, a couple of people actually have commented. So nice. Um, we have. And me, um, she said yes, that's me. Um, oh yeah, that's Anna Marie. That's the one that has my um, song as hers as her alarm. Oh, yeah. she's like they talked about me. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's always nice to get a mention. And then sure. Santi or Sainty, sorry, Phil Sainty. Mm-hmm. Christmas on the brain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's Deirdre as well. Yeah, Leah Hearn, who was on on last week. Oh, cool. Um, Hi, Leah. Deirdre. Yeah, thanks so much for tuning in, guys. I'm really yeah. loving the, the chat with Connor here. Yeah, it's um, been great now. Yeah. Yeah. So Connor Ryan and you have a few songs up there. And are, are they songs that you're proud of? 
Well, they are. There's songs that uh, they, they were all written in Germany. So when I was in Germany, I when I came over to Germany first, I got a job in a bar and it was the first ever time in my life since I was about four years old that I wasn't on stage doing some something, singing, whatever it is. Um, and so I had a lot of time um, and a lot of late nights and a lot of meeting people and a lot of uh, listening to to music that my my people that I worked with really liked, which was a lot of techno and a lot of um, kind of house stuff um, and really influenced, obviously, the from German techno and stuff. And Aline says, huge fan of your songs. Oh, Aline as well. I'm so sorry, Aline. I didn't even mention. Aline is a good fan of my songs as well. Oh, Thank wow. you, Aline. Wow. <laughs> I to listen to them. I didn't even realize. It's, it's so interesting because it's so, I feel like anyone that's kind of, in our industry has so many kind of hidden streams of things that they do you know it's like oh they're a songwriter or oh they do this or oh they yeah. do that you know it's like mm. these hidden little gems yeah i have another hidden gem but i'm not sure if you know about it do you <gasps> i don't know Why okay you tell me i'm, I'm curious so, okay so back when i was about 15 mm-hmm. uh, i was in a film i was in oh. a film in ireland a feature film with pat short oh cool um, and it was called Garage, and it was okay. quite good. It got it was pretty big in Ireland, and it went over to Cannes and this, it, the IFTAs, and I was nominated for a best, best supporting um, uh, best supporting role in a feature length film no in way. the IFTAs, and I was in the same room as I don't even want to say this. I was in the same room as no. Tell uh, us, tell us. We want to hear all of this. Mel <laughs> Mel Gibson and Colin Farrell, and I was sitting very close to. Um, Oh, this is John, John, Jonathan Rhys Myers and stuff like that. When I was 15 years old, I was cast oh into God. this world of, of crazy uh, film because I was I, what I wanted to be when I was younger really was an actor. Wow. I wanted to be an actor and yeah, I wanted to do theater, film, all that kind of stuff. And so I went for an audition in Limerick and I got the role um, and then shot for six, yeah, six or eight weeks in uh, Burr, County Offaly. Oh, cool, um, yeah. And then, yeah, and so then it came out and it was in cinemas all over the place. I remember going to uh, to the screening in Limerick with my fourth year uh, class. And there's a scene in the film that's quite explicit, I guess, or at least okay. it's completely unpredictable. You would never assume that this is going to be a part of the no film. Spoilers. And I just, yeah, I no spoilers. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, I hope you yeah, let me so know what you think. Yeah. yeah, I'd love yeah. to. I can't wait to watch it's, it. Then. It's a beautiful film. It's I'm, That's something I'm really proud of. I'm very, very proud of that. Yeah. I love, I actually just love watching anything that's Irish. I love mm-hmm. Irish films. I just love watching them. I don't know why. I just, I, I just feel very like proud of my country when I'm watching an Irish film. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I also, I think what's really cool about Irish film is that it's, it's, it is, you can see how much it's grown in the past, um, like 10, 20 years is that like it used to, there was always this kind of this, tinge of Irish film that looked maybe low quality or you always didn't know kind of where the where the money was and then like in the last 20 years like the the quality of Irish film has just gone through the roof it's amazing and there's some fantastic new directors and obviously Irish actors and screenwriters and stuff it's really cool yeah, yeah, I love it. Like, I love just hearing an Irish accent appear, you know, even an American film or something. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's one of us. <laughs> what, and did you see the did you see the trailer or the ad for the new Irish film that stars the guy from uh, Grey is the Color of the Black? What's that, what's that film? Grey. Um, 
gray Fifty book. Shades of Grey? Fifty Shades of Grey. That's the <laughs> oh, one. That exactly. Is actually the one, right? Genuinely. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I really, honest to God, couldn't even think of the name. <laughs> I was uh, like, the the Irish actor in that, the guy that plays the lead, he's oh. a guy from, uh, I think he's from Belfast or something like that. And he's in a new film, an American film, and they're all, it's set in Sligo. Oh, wow. Um, and I think Christopher Walken is in it. And it got slated on, Insta- on, on Instagram, on Twitter. Okay. Um, really, really bad because their accents are just... I was going to say, is it, a, is it Amer- Americans trying to do the Irish accent? Yeah. See, it's, it's very, very difficult accent to pull off. Like, it is. Yeah. It's so nuanced, even from county yeah. to county. Like, yeah, exactly. Know? Yeah. That's so cool. That's really exciting. I can't wait to like watch that. Really, really mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the music scene like? Um, where are you again? I've forgotten already. Vienna. Vienna. Yeah. Music scene's really cool in Vienna. Um, again, I'm only here a very short time. So mm-hmm. I'm, I've been um, uh, not even just dipping my toe, getting full in, full in to the pool uh, or to the sea of jazz here. And I'm trying to, to see as much as I can. And then of course the lockdown happened. So yeah, the place course, that I was yeah. going to, it was such a shame because they were doing gigs every night nearly. Um, fantastic place called Svei in the in in vienna and really really cool jazz gigs um but the music scene itself i haven't really and i really i'm i'm excited to learn what it really is what what the underground scene is like what the um the original scene is like um i know there's a massive amount of venues and places for people to play original music um but what i'm seeing mostly at the moment is the jazz because that's the kind of the scene that i'm i'm trying to um, wiggle my way into yeah, it's it's actually, it's a shame because, you know, both of us are back in music college and we want to immerse ourselves in that, you know, to be yeah. all inspired and all the rest. Yeah. But then COVID has like kind of put a stop to that. So yeah. we can't do anything. But on the other side, I think, sorry, but I, I also, I think uh, what's really cool is this whole distance um, gigging or distance. Um, Virtual people- gigs like. Yeah, virtual gigs yeah. and also virtual, like people putting videos together and, and doing stuff like that. Because I know you mentioned before we started about the thing that I did with um, with Theo. Yeah, with yeah, Theo Byrne and stuff. That. So Theo, Niall and Martha are, and myself are a, a quartet that go back years and years and years. Like we went, we started, we were all in the musical theatre scene back in Limerick since we were very, very young doing all the shows together, doing Le Mis, and they did, they went off and did, um, um, God, I can't remember, Rent, and they did some fantastic musicals and stuff, and really, really, really great musicians and also really great singers. Um, And so that happened, we did a show back a couple of years ago called Waiting on Love, and we, it was like a variety show that we put together, and we were singing Waiters, um, and we put it on in oh, a little cool. venue in Limerick and we did it all of our, ourselves, which was great. Like we were all quite young, I guess we were all, I was 20 at that point. Uh, so Martha and they were, I think they were like 19 or so. Um, and we just did all musical theater. We did all like new musical theater as well. We did like Jason Robert Brown and we did um, some good Sondheim stuff and, um, really cool things. But anyway, so that video happened because that quartet, we were so tight. We were so, we used to sing great stuff. Um, and then it just dispersed because, you know, Niall moved to Dublin, Martha moved to Dublin, then Theo moved to Dublin, or maybe Theo went first. And then she studied in BIM. So Theodore Byrne is, 
you know, as as you said as well, she's gigging with everyone. She's, you know, Jason, uh, what's his name? Vincent McMorrow. James Vincent McMorrow. James Vincent McMorrow. JVM. Sorry, yeah, JVM. That's exactly. <laughs> she's the keyboardist now and the backing vocalist. And her mm. her partner, uh, Joe, is on, on bass. Um, and do you, you know Theo, do you? I don't know her, but I know her name because I went mm. to BIM as well. So people were kind of talking about her. And then the fact that she was, I think um, she did um, backing vocals for... Um, Dua Lipa? Dua Lipa. Yeah, I'm, Dua Lipa. I think that's news to me now. That's for, cool. I'm pretty sure she did. I could be wrong now, but I think I think that's how I first heard about where people were talking that she was doing um, back and vocals and mm. maybe dancing. Does she dance as well? She does. Yeah, she's a great dancer. Yeah. Her, okay. Yeah. Um, then I think it was. Yeah, pretty sure it was Dua Lipa at the time. Yeah. But then I was like, well, that's really cool that like because it was around that time where I was kind of starting to learn about that mm. whole kind of world of things. I didn't. Mm. I really feel like because of the existence of. Um, popular music colleges now as well coming into the, the forefront that side of the scene is really developing over the last 10 years so I think mm-hmm. it was like you know when I heard of her doing that I was like fair play to her because I'm always like really happy for people when they do well for themselves you know I'm like that's yeah. brilliant she's doing great and I also yeah. wanted, would love to do it so <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it's it's the thing it's like the thing is with Theo is that she's such a hard worker like she really I remember going over and practicing in her house and stuff like her piano skills are so fantastic and her accompanying, but also her voice is just, you know, so, so good and so perfectly fit in that kind of pop and also musical theater, though, but mm. really sits very, very well in the pop um, realm. And she yeah, she just I mean, the thing is, you know, yourself like BIM it's just like this this melting pot of mm-hmm. of opportunity and i remember being in college in in new park and bim was was like the enemy because new park <laughs> was like the the jazz we were all like the guys yeah. studying charlie parker and all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff and and then we heard like there was things going on in bim that were like weeks of abba and we were always oh oh, oh, oh god how could that but then looking yeah. back now i'm like god almighty the amount of fantastic opportunities these people got going yeah. to BIM you know yeah it's, it's it's really really amazing actually there's a good few um singers from Cork as well who have ended up singing for uh, backing vocals for JVM as well and and different people I'd love to get into that that's what I'm hoping after my degree you know when I'm yeah when my musicianship skills are a little bit better and I can sight read a bit better and that kind of thing I'd love but, to yeah but I mean CSM and Cork is like also becoming so so cool for for also a melting pot of just musicians and session singers and session musicians and stuff like that like and i think um Gemma really hit Gemma really Gemma um Sugru really really was at the perfect time um to to start up voicework studio and also really push that narrative of pop music and 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 learning the craft um in a very high quality um way she really was was doing a fantastic job there yeah it's great to, it was great to have somebody to kind of shine a light on that world do you mm. know because I, I it was actually a friend of mine from Kildare who um she messaged me and was like you should check this girl out on um, snapchat she's really funny <laughs> and like she posts all singing stuff I think you'd really like her and I downloaded snapchat chat um just to follow her <laughs> um and I, and I was like you know I was like yeah she's really interesting you know and I've kind of been following her so supporting her ever since like you know and I've gone to lots of her workshops and things like that but yeah she was like one of the first people her and the, the uh chris and steve from um the naked vocalist 
were kind of the, 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 the first people to kind of shine a light on that world for me, mm. you know, mm. and that was kind of true BIM because they came and did workshops in BIM. So, yeah, I was like, I was like, this is amazing. I can't believe this exists and I want to get into this, you know, so it kind of came at like the perfect, the perfect time for me. And did you then, did you then start, so when did you start your school in Clonmel? So it is in Clonmel, right? It's in Clonmel. So I started teaching, I kind of was like, t- you know, I had kind of one or two students. I was dabbling in it for, for like most of the year, 2017. Then in November 2017, then I, I opened the studio then and kind of just kind of been building it up, you know, bit by bit since then. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because as I develop my own skills in coaching, you know, I can take on more advanced students or whatever, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. that's what my aim is like that I can, that I don't have to send somebody to anybody else. You know, I can, that I'm able to take all kind of levels. And at the minute I, you know, I'm still on my journey, you know, I still have my training mm-hmm. wheels on to an extent. So, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm very invested in trying to be as best I can be for my students. You know, um, I, I would have started off just kind of guiding students um, through their leaving certain junior shirts um, practicals right yeah. so it was like kind of less technique based and more performance um coaching and um stylistics and that kind of thing you know and which is probably something perfect. we were comfortable back then totally. as well doing performance more so than technical stuff but now that you've learned it now that you can you can kind of yeah. expand on that yeah. exactly so like I would have started off as as a coach doing that stuff and then as I as I grow and as I continue to soak in all these workshops I'm I'm doing I'm able to offer more you know, so it's really mm. exciting. It's like it's all constantly evolving. What about your own mm. coaching journey? Um, my own co- coaching journey is quite short. Uh, it doesn't. Ha- it's not. It ha- it's it's quite young still. Mm-hmm. Um, um, as I as I said, like it's when I was when I was gigging and stuff. I I I was able to live through the 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 way in which I was gigging. So that was great, and I I I I. I wasn't really in a place that I felt like I wanted to be teaching. Um, even though when I was younger, I was, I was when, uh, younger in a sense, like when I was maybe 16, I guess, until maybe I was 19. Mm-hmm. My dad, my dad owned a theater school in, in Limerick. Um, cool. And I used to teach there. I used to teach drama and singing and dancing always with someone. And my mom is also a choreographer and my dad is a, a producer and a singer and stuff. So, wow, so that, like that whole first in that life from a young age. That whole family mm. unit was just like it was shaking always and it was always shaking music. You know, it was always just that's what it was and musical theater really and, and theater. Um and so my my teaching was was really steeped back then, or like really it happened back then and it was steeped basically in musical theater and um, technical stuff wasn't something that we used to teach other than healthy habits and and all that kind of stuff. Um, But then once I came to Germany, after I had worked in a bar for a year and I drank schnapps every night (laughs) and I got home at four o'clock every night and I was, yeah, it has to be done. But also I was kind of like, can I really keep this up? Like I really hard on the voice as well. Yeah, totally. And also I was getting really thin and I wasn't eating as much. And I was, I was feeling like, okay, I need to be very careful here because that's mm-hmm. not necessarily my life. And I'm not used to that. There's a lot of people that are used to it. Mm-hmm. I'm not used to that. Yeah. Um, 
But so then I got a job as an English teacher in Germany. Um, so I was working in a couple of companies. Um, but then I landed a big company in, in, in Magdeburg called Berlitz. Um, and I worked there for two years. And uh, during those two years, I also then decided that I, I really loved teaching. Um, and I was getting really good feedback from people and I was getting really into it. And I loved being in the room with someone. I loved seeing someone's progression. Um, and I loved being the person that had answers for someone. Um, and when it was an English thing, so I was teaching a lot of Germans um, and I was learning German at the time. So I was also, I was able to, to learn from them translating and also be so happy that when they asked um, how to say this correctly, I was able to. Um, and that feeling of kind of, I don't know, gave me a sense of self, self-worth and, and mm. um, confidence and so. And then I realized I really love teaching. Um, and then I decided to go to the local music school, which was across the road from where I was living, um, and ask them, did they have any space for a singing teacher? They said, no. And I was like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> like, no way, man. And then, yeah, I was like, who the hell are you? Get out. You don't even speak German. You don't, you don't, you don't, um, you don't get it if you don't ask. Isn't that what they say? <laughs> That's it exactly, and that's. But the thing is, I didn't get at that point, <laughs> yeah. which was also fine. But then my girlfriend, then at the time, uh, or my Katia, my girlfriend, um, she started taking piano lessons there, and uh, she then was talking to her piano teacher, and her piano teacher said, "Oh, it's such a pity the the the, the singing teacher here, um, not uh, she has to go on maternity leave, so we don't have a singing teacher. Oh, what are we to do? Because Magdeburg mm-hmm. is quite small." And then she was like, well, my boyfriend is also a singer and, you know, he's a teacher and stuff. And he wanted to do singing teaching. What about mm-hmm. him? And so I went and I met the, the, the owner of the school and I said, look, this is my CV. This is my German A1. Here you go. This is as much German as I can speak. Um, and he was so, he was amazing. This guy, Guido Kaepernick, he was so, so fantastic. Um, and he really, um, he gave me an opportunity to do something that has kind of, yeah, catapulted me into kind of thinking and knowing what I want to do for the rest of my life for the first time. Yeah. You know? That's amazing. Mm. I kind of ended up the same, similar. It was just that somebody said, oh, I have a friend who sings. Do you know mm. what I ended up teaching in, in the first music school I worked in? So very, very similar to... Very similar. Yeah. yeah. And it's those opportunities that you're kind of like, as you said, if you don't ask or if you're not outwardly saying that you'd like that or you're not, you know, telling people that you are a singer and that you do have passion, people won't think of you that way. So you need to be if that if this is your life, is this if this is your passion, it needs to be something you live so that when when your friend thinks, ah, there needs to be a singing teacher, they're going they're going to think instantly, Rebecca. Or they're going to think instantly, Connor, you know, this is, or whoever, you know, and this is something that I think a lot of people tend to get annoyed about is that they're, they, they're not given opportunities, even though they'd love it, but they're not really living the, the passion. They're kind of, they're doing it maybe behind closed doors and then kind of going, oh, I really wish I was a singer or I really wish I was a, a teacher or whoever. But if you're not living the passion, no one's going to know and no one will then maybe give you the opportunity. Yeah, I think like like everyone that I've spoken to who's kind of really getting into the coaching 
world like everyone's so passionate about it and everyone just mm. love like everyone seems to just have had that moment of like where they're in a different situation but they're being that mentor coach kind of mm. um kind of a uh, role they're, they're fill, fulfilling that role like for me it was like being a retail manager and the mm. best part of the job was like training and development like it was right. like yeah, i love that, that stuff you know nice. um and for you it was um you worked with your stage with your parents stage school and then the the, the english teaching kind of brought you yeah. back around to it again and exactly it's like it's kind of something that's in us we can't really rid it rid it <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah and there's be best to go with it then because if it keeps coming back up and surfacing and you you know you can only push it down so much if it, you know, allow it to be, allow it to be your person, allow it to be who you are. And it, it can, you can only, it can only be positive. I think. We, now I know we're, we're just coming up to an hour there, but like there's so much I want to talk to you about. You're, you're full of um, really interesting oh, yeah, things to talk about, but if you need, yeah. you need, do you need to run or be okay for another few minutes? I have lots of time. Okay, cool. But yeah. what I wanted to ask about was when we first chatted about you coming on for a chat with me, um, we, we were talking about like, you know, our our thoughts around rejection and also mm. maybe about the whole world of competition in general. And like, for example, I hate competitions. I really am not a fan of competitions. I have done competitions in the past um mainly to get experience and I wouldn't I wouldn't mm. discourage anyone to do it if that's what you want to do then do it as I said I've done it as well but I, I just don't think competitions are any way to get any gauge of your actual real talent because it, it's not always your actual real talent that, that that kind of um that gets you it, your talent doesn't always let you win for example mm. um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I'm wondering like what's your advice for people who maybe are thinking of going forward for competitions or maybe they've been rejected maybe they've auditioned for something and been rejected or you know even auditioned to be in a band or musical or whatever it is what's your advice around rejection or how to deal with it it's a good question um i was always given the advice when i was younger um especially in in acting and film and stuff like that is that when you go to an audition, the person, the person that's giving or taking the audition or, or watching you or listening to you or whatever already knows what they want. And if you don't fit that, then it's not your, it's not about you. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not your fault that you didn't fit the thing that the person needs at that moment. And I think that's really important to remember when you do competitions is that like when you go for it, um, I would say go for, I know I didn't, but I'm, I'm also the same similar as you. I don't necessarily like competition. I don't think it's very, it's, it doesn't suit me. It doesn't suit my person personality, but I think that there's a lot of people that it does. And, and I would say, go for it. Always try, try and try again, try. If this is really what you want, go for it, go for the next audition, go for it again, the following year, go for it again, the following year, because uh, trends change um and things that people like to listen to and people like voices that people like if can you imagine if like like Billie Eilish was at the same time as Katy Perry 
Yeah. You know what I mean? It just wouldn't have worked because Katy Perry was like, the, the, that music was so like back, I can't remember, maybe five years ago, I'm not sure. Katy Perry's, that was it. That was all that music, that everything on the radio. And that was the voice that people wanted as in the competitions. That's the people, the voice that people could sell, mm-hmm. you know? And now you look at it and like Katy Perry is is completely left in the dust now at the moment because Billie Eilish is out and and all of these kind of half singers you know and so trends change and and as I said things that people feel like they can sell change so you know if if it's not one year if if you don't get it one year or if you're not accepted one year and the rejection does hurt but if this is what you want, I would say go back and try it again next year. Maybe your look is perfect. Maybe your your story is perfect. Maybe your um, voice at that moment is exactly what they want. And then that's your time, you know? Yeah. I think, I think that's, my, that's my best advice. And that's that's something I've kind of lived by. And I think that's, that's, that's all I could say with that, I think. Yeah, I, I feel that, like, although I don't like competitions... I still think people should go for them if they want to, because I think it's really important to become comfortable with the feeling of discomfort. We need to mm-hmm. realize that we can't win everything and we need to become comfortable with that uncomfortable feeling. Do you know, that's, that's my thought on yeah. it. Sometimes we have to challenge totally ourselves unique. to like, you know, learn to deal with rejection. Absolutely. And also, if you don't see the darkness, uh, you're, you're never going to know when it's light. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's that whole cliche thing. You know, you need to have see both sides of the coin. There's the yin and the yang. There's, you know, you need to know the downs to know the ups. You need to know all of that stuff. So it yeah. builds you as a character or as, as your character, as your person. It builds you for sure. Rejection is not something to be ashamed of, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And I know my life- my brother... Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. You go ahead. No, I was just going to say that my brother is a, is an actor as well, and he's studying in in London. And he for for about nine years, I guess, he was in London trying to make it as an actor. And he really, I know that it was a struggle for him, and I know that it wasn't the easiest for him. Um, but he kept doing it, and he kept going back, and he kept getting auditions, and he was trying things, and he, you know, he never stopped. And now he's just finished a tour with the Jersey Boys and he had actually gotten a contract with a great show that was going to start in this year, March, I think. Um, and because of COVID, it couldn't happen. Um, but again, this, this, that's what I'm saying is that like, you know, um, resilience and, and going for it, even though it's sore, um, can sometimes end in, in, yeah, in pleasure or happiness, you know try try and try again isn't that what they say that's it and don't <laughs> to forget to try simple. one more time yeah, another that. try <laughs> yeah, exactly so one thing yeah. we didn't touch on was let's talk about singing mm. do you want to tell people about that oh yeah sure yeah yeah absolutely thanks yeah um that's the podcast that i started in during the lockdown the first lockdown when the whole world decided to um switch on i guess because we all went digital um and so i ended up really thinking about friends that i had and people that i knew and people that i had worked with and people that i had spoken with and always had a good connection with 
And I realized when I, when I really thought about it, a lot of these people really were fantastically uh, equipped and, and well-respected and you know, very, very good in their fields. Um, and a lot of it was singing, a lot of it was music. And I really wanted just to chat with them. And the first was actually, I, I, like I just talked about there, was with my brother, Stephen. And I just wanted to chat with him, you know, because when we meet at Christmas, we don't talk about his work. Yeah. You know what I mean? We might for like five minutes and then it's it's back to, I don't even know, it's a distraction. And so I wanted to really kind of actually sit down face to face and chat with him. And it was amazing and it was so great. And I think it actually helped us in our relationship. And also it was oh, just awesome. very interesting anyway as a as a, yeah, I think it, it was a lovely little milestone that we had. Um, and, and then it just kind of kept going. And then I, then I asked someone else that I knew and they said yes. And then I asked someone else and they said yes. And there was, I think, I think there was one no, um, which was lovely. You know, um, there was, there was only one no from people that I asked in the whole, um, series that I've done so far. Um, and it's really been going well and good reaction. And I've just enjoyed it as a, as a, a new thing to do. Um, and also started it mainly, as you know, um, to, to learn because yeah. I was hungry. I was really hungry. And I was like, this is the time if I'm hungry, this is the time to eat as much as I can, you know, Starve. and the, yeah, absolutely starving. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And so I decided, you know, like, just eat, 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 eat. And so I did. And I talked to people and I learned and I was very lucky with the people that gave me their time. You know what I mean? Um, and so then it happened that we were doing something like this, then like a, a video series. And I was putting it on YouTube. And if people want to check it out, there's, I think, 10 episodes, uh, actually a bit more. I think there's 12 episodes still on um, picture, maybe even more. I think they're all actually on YouTube. Um, but then I decided then to also make it into a podcast. So I put it onto Spotify and, and iTunes and things like that. And, and also that was another way in which people could kind of easily and easier uh, or easily listen to it, I guess, rather than having to sit down and watch, uh, uh, you know, an hour, 50 minutes thing, you know. Yeah, well, um, I I loved it. I, I, like, I've, I think I've listened to, I haven't listened to all the episodes, but I listened to a good few and I'm like a podcast fanatic. Like, I think I listened to, <laughs> I was actually adding it up during the week. I think I listened to about six hours of podcasts every week. Wow. Still? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Still. Because, it, you know, it's about a half hour walk back and to from college every morning. So that's an hour yeah. a day in college. That's four, four days a week is uh, four hours. And then another two hours, an hour driving down to Cork and an hour driving back so that's six hours and it's like yeah podcast on all the time and probably more because I do throw on a podcast when I'm cleaning the house or whatever as well I just love it because right. it's a great way to like to to learn because I find you know especially when you're in college or even when you're when I was working full-time you don't give yourself that much time yeah. to learn and to kind of have hobbies sometimes that mm, are not music mm. <laughs> or your job yeah. so sometimes it's really interesting to like just delve into a podcast even if it's about music like singing stuff or you know um I listen to one called stuff you should know which is like kind of this random mm. in, do you know that one it's really it's really good I, I think do. we talked yeah. about podcasts that we listened we did to. yeah yeah I yeah. love Joe Rogan as well and like I listen to so many different ones and I'm 
I'm always looking for a new one to listen to a new voice and mm. you know a new angle. Mm, I think the but, podcast medium is so cool. I think also the, the the Blind Boy Boat Club really was where the Blind Boy podcast, the um, Rubber Bandits, the that was really what got me really hooked on podcast listening. Listening, okay. you know. Um, do you know Do you know the Rubber Bandits? You know the oh yeah, the I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm yeah. kind of a weird person with humor. Like my partner would watch would listen to that podcast, but I don't really like. I've tuned in a few times, but it's not quite yeah. me, you know. Yeah, it's interesting because it's something it's also it is a podcast and it's to do with taste. And I know that that um, Blind Boy's humor can be some sometimes very, um, yeah, kind of off putting or maybe sometimes very unpredictable, maybe and not necessarily always in a good way. But he actually he hits topics uh, that are really important, especially in Ireland at the moment. He's such a he's like a narrator of 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 um of the way in which the society is and not just in the world but really he focuses on ireland which is really nice to have a kind of a podcast like that i feel because there's lots and things about american um uh, and british uh, humor and also about society in in america and you know that's all we hear on the news anyway is american news constantly 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 mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i think what's nice about the blind boy thing is that he kind of gets into the the nooks and the crannies and the cool things about about Irish society, you know. Yeah, um, I I actually just started listening to the Irish music industry podcast as well. Um, oh, Mark, cool! I didn't Mark, know that. Happened. I've forgotten his surname, Mark something. I'm gonna have to check it now because I feel bad not mm. remembering. Oh, my phone's dead. <laughs> I can't check it. Oh no! The Irish music <laughs> industry podcast, and it's Mark something. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's really really good. And again, it just focuses on the Irish music industry, and it's just really interesting because they're, you know, he did one recently talking about all the, you know, all the the fiasco with the grants and all that stuff. So very very interesting, oh, yeah. and he's very um. He takes quite a neutral position from what I could hear so far, but he's he he asks quite loaded questions, but in a good way, like as in like he's very mm. like, right, let's get to the root of this, you know, but it's a really mm. interesting one if you're you want to listen to another Irish That's, podcast. What's it called? The Irish Irish music industry podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll send you a link cool. to it afterwards. Nice. It's, it's really, really good. Do. Yeah. Yeah. Do. But, um, yeah. So. I think we could probably wrap it up there now. I could literally chat to you all night. We've got. I know, yeah. I'm, I also yeah. kind of feel the same. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice getting on a bit of a roll as well. It's nice to. It's nice to be interviewed actually, because I guess that's. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the last time I've been interviewed, to be honest. Um, and it's nice to be on this end of it, but also having to chat, but also nice to be on this end of it, and um, really nice to speak to you. Yeah, yeah I love. It. I just love like just chatting to people, and like I just find it really interesting. And I was like, well, why not? Because why not just share it with other people? Why not like film it and like share it so yeah. other people can enjoy it as well? You know, so yeah, because you're you're doing this this this. Uh, are you calling it a vodcast or is it a? At the minute, I'm calling it a vodcast. Um, yeah. Like for the last few years, I've wanted to do a podcast. Yeah. Um, as I said, I I really love podcasts, so I just thought, well, I kind of want to do that, and mm. I just didn't really have the confidence to kind of do it until during the summer, and then everyone was doing stuff online, and then you released yours, and then. I was also following a girl called Kim Janet. Um, she's more of a singer. She doesn't do a podcast. And she was doing lots of stuff online. There's a few mm. different people that were kind of doing things that, that just really inspired me to like go, okay, now is the time. 
And so I just decided to do the vodcast because mm. I don't have that much time to put into too much of the production side of it at the moment in college. Um, but like I do plan on, you know, uploading it to the podcast app maybe in the summertime and doing it that way. You know, I'm just making it work for me. Like I'm, I'm very chill with it at the minute and whatever I can do, I can do. It's not not even regular if I, if I miss a Friday I miss a Friday you know that's just the way, yeah. way it is for me it's really like so but is that not really cool because you don't it's not like tv or radio where you have a certain set of time like a timetable and a certain thing that you have to say and 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 all these rules and regulations it's really this is what's so nice and about the podcast and about your vodcast is that you do have this freedom of just chatting to people and then putting it out and sharing it with people but also if you do miss a Friday like from my point of view like I started uh you know, college in October. And I think my last episode was kind of like at the start of October, I think Mm -hmm. the last episode that I released. And it's just that I just haven't had, I I haven't had time. um, But also I just haven't had the, the, I don't know, the brain space. Yeah, the brain space, because so much is coming in um, that I know it's very important to also then kind of be able to switch off Mm-hmm. But this the the chats are also that I was having was all about learning as well, you know. So I was I had to be really careful that I wasn't filling my my fourteen whatever hours in the day, or fifteen hours or whatever, if of just learning, you mm-hmm. know. And so I think that's maybe why I've taken a step back a small bit from the podcast. Um, not that it's gone completely, but it will. Um, I do have a couple of people lined up for for next year for sure. Um, I just need to kind of pin down dates and things like that. But um, do it in your own time. At the end yeah. of the day, like you know, when I'm looking for a podcast, I just start do a search and like it doesn't matter when it was uploaded or how old it was. If I have to right. listen to it, I still want to hear it. So yeah, you know, yeah. especially on the on the topic of music and singing, I guess because mm-hmm. it's it's kind of I know we could. I'm sure that there's a lot of talk at the moment in singing podcasts and music about COVID and about the situation for musicians, but at the end of the day, it's usually about stories or technique and stuff. And that, that stuff is timeless anyway. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's definitely timeless. Um, yeah. I think in my, in the first couple of chats I did, we did chat a bit about COVID because it was kind of fresh in our heads, but sure. it's kind of fallen a bit to the wayside now, which is kind of a good thing because that, yeah. that all becomes a bit too much too sometimes, isn't it? hundred percent. Yeah. You could, that, that's, that could, that's sometimes I feel like that's the, the killer of a conversation now is the, it's like, it's like, it's like the new weather. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like when you start talking about the weather, you know, like, <laughs> oh, okay, this conversation really isn't really, either it's just beginning or it's really, we need to start finishing it up. And I also feel about that kind of COVID thing is that the minute you drop that, it's kind of like, okay, where to go from here now? I know. Yeah. You know? So where, where do we go from here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so speaking of that. Um... Yeah. <laughs> but is there anything that you want to direct people to yourself as well? Um, I guess like, Always, um, I have a lot of covers and um, also on YouTube and people can always go up and check them out. It's always nice to have people just kind of checking covers out and, and some of them are old, but some of them are quite up to date. Um, and so, I'll add the link in for you. Yeah, I do. It's, it's, always, it's, it's always nice to see some sort of some interaction and, and stuff um, on YouTube. Um, also, obviously, there's the Instagram, um, my own one, Conor Ryan Vocalist, and also then Let's Talk Singing. Um, and also uh, in the new year um, is I'm going to be starting to give, I'm going to start giving also private uh, lessons again. So I'm, I'm working at the moment for a school in Germany, um, but I don't do any private lessons since the first lockdown. I haven't mm-hmm. done any. 
And so my plan is then in January is to start up with some private lessons again. So um, what I'll do is I'll send you on the link. So there's going to be a link to like a landing page and then yeah. there's a sign up sheet and then it's all done through Calendly. So it's all done uh, digitally and all through Zoom. Um, and it's always what I'm trying to promote at the moment is my singing lessons are trying to promote and build healthy singing habits. Okay. So and I want I want to not just go down too technical. I don't want to go too technical with people because mm-hmm. I'm still learning. Yeah. But I, I want to be able to to help people um, that like I was speaking at the start about the thing of like if you're if you're singing, if you're gigging yeah. and you feel like you're not it's you know, something is going wrong. I want to be yeah. able to help people with that. That's um, great. And in also in tandem with that, then is the I want to start giving and I will be offering people um some kind of very basic uh, recording techniques, home recording techniques, because I do, I'm a session musician or a session singer. I'm also a voiceover artist. So I do a lot of recording here at home as well. Um, it's another gem. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's something that's still yet yeah, still young as well. But it's mm-hmm. something that I'm doing, and also all the the things on on Spotify. Everything you listen to on Spotify has been done with my Mac, with my MIDI, um, and um, and I mixed it and sent it off to Master. But I mixed it. I think there's one track, Pure Release, that was mixed by Alan Keery. But everything else is mixed by myself. So I also want to be able to give people the opportunity to to learn how to be at home, uh, get a mic and start making covers, start putting them up on Instagram, fill in your stories, fill in your, your feed, fill in your whatever you want to do or completely just for yourself. You know, I it's all to do with the, the client or the student, you know. That's a great idea. Really good. And question, one question before I let you go, sure. just in case people are wondering, because you've talked a lot about jazz singing. So is it just jazz that you're that you're kind of focused on or what areas are you are you looking at there with genre wise yeah that's actually a really good question because the, the the promotion that i'll be doing it uh with it is is contemporary music okay. so jazz is included musical theater is included um pop rock all of that i just i would never ever touch the classical side because yeah. i it just it's just impossible unless you're studying it and mm-hmm. um there's no point but the jazz is also something that i know some people a handful of people are interested in improvisation and that's what I really love to do. I love to improvise and I love to uh, take a melody and also solo, but also take a melody and make it kind of your own. Um, Never sing one song the same ever, you know? Um, And so. I think you could make a workshop out of that, Connor. Yeah. You think? Mm. Mm. Definitely. I think that's something that people would love. I love that nice yeah, like let's take a song and let's see how diff how we can put our own spin on it yeah and you know that's funny because this is that's something that I think that that comes very naturally to me and I know that some people it doesn't and that's kind of again like what I'd like to just be able to 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 at least help people to see if it's possible um or to allow it to be possible you know yeah. that they can um take many liberties in the melody for sure yeah. great so good this- idea yeah, I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Let me know when you have it, and I'll share. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Connor, it was absolute pleasure. And guys, it was so nice to speak with you, Rebecca, for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>